0: Hey, Next on the T Nation, thanks for tuning into this segment of the show. I really appreciate all your support. If you're enjoying the show, please go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. You'll see a tab to vote right there on their homepage. Stay up to date with our guest schedule by going online to net. I really appreciate you. Enjoy the segment. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Eric Johnson, let me remind you about our friends over at Two Under. Two under men's performance briefs are the official underwear of the 2021 U.S. Ryder Cup team, the captain and all vice captains. They are worn by more than 30 players on the PGA and Champions Tour. They are also worn by over 70 NCAA Division I colleges and 17 NFL teams. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort, fit and performance from the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. Find these 200 performance men's briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all shields sports stores, PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Galaxy, and other fine retailers near you. Go online to 2 That's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. 200 performance in your pants. Use code on the T20 for a 20% discount at checkouts, not valid on items already on sale or NCAA licensed briefs. All right, now back in making his 15th appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is Eric Johnson. Eric has been a great friend both on and off the show since the very beginning. It's almost eight years to the day since Eric first joined me, back on August 23rd of 2014. Eric has been a Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor every year since 2011. He was also recognized by Golf Digest as a Top 40 Under 40 teacher. Played his college golf at Mississippi State, where he was a four-year letterman from 1992 to 1995. Helped them win back-to-back Kroger intercollegiate titles in 94 and 95. He is a four-time Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year. He has won the Horton Smith Award multiple times, so many times they should change the name to the Eric Johnson Award. Eric played out on the Canadian Tour, the Sunshine Tour, and the Golden Bear Tour. He was a director of instruction for years at the Oakmont Country Club. And is now out at Yellowstone Club in Big Sky, Montana. Eric is not only one of my favorite all-time guests here on the show, but just one of my favorite people anywhere on the planet. And I'm honored to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, how are you, my friend?
1: Hey, Chris, how you doing? Great intro, man. Like I say, I've said it multiple times. You're the you're the most prepared man in radio. I I just don't know how you come up with all this stuff. I'm blushing over here. I gotta get a cool my face down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
0: ah, I appreciate you eric
1: you my friend. how how are things know. in
0: big Kai's country
1: chris they're they're amazing you know we uh we thought that little place I worked at in the past uh on that little tiny hill was something but when you come out and see the number one mountain club in the world and that's Yellowstone Club and big sky it, it is a thing to behold i a good friend of mine from Pittsburgh. His brother-in-law is a member here and he flew out tonight and he said, Eric, I, I have no words. I've never seen, all I can say is wow. And it, it's stunning. It's a stunning property. Mr. Weisskopf built us a fantastic golf course. And, and I think last year, I think, you know, when everyone was out here quarantining, you know, I think people started to really realize how great Montana was. And then you saw it on the match. I made, um, Moonlight Basin is just on the other side of Lone Peak from us and it's just, the views are stunning the the wildlife i mean i I've, I've seen bears i've seen moose i've seen elk i've seen mule deer i've seen it all this year i even saw a wolf and uh you know it, it's just uh words can't describe it it's really it's it's unlike anything i've ever seen in my life
0: and i'll tell you eric my my wife will, will tell you i'm ready to chuck it all and buy an rv and move to montana so, um, give me a flavor of the golf course itself, the surrounding and what it's like to play at it, uh, play Yellowstone club.
1: Yeah. Well, you can, you know, Chris, you can stand there and you can look, you know, and see mountain ranges that are 50 miles away and the views and the vistas are, are spectacular. Um, you guys saw it on the, you know, if you watched the, the match, it was amazing. And that's the same stuff we're looking at. It's literally just on the other side of Lone Peak from us. If you got in a chopper, it's probably a one-minute chopper ride. But if you, you know, have to go down around the mountain, it's probably about 40 minutes to get over to to, uh, Moonlight Basin, where they played the match. But it uh, was—it's the vistas are incredible. You know, most every day we've got these bluebird days, and you know we've got a little smoke in the area now because of some of the wildfires. But you know, it's just. When you're standing there and you can see mountain ranges for 50 miles, it, it's just stunning. It's a stunning mountain course.
0: Eric, as you know, I had Bob Ford on the show last week, and you worked uh, for Bob for many years there at, at Oakmont. Talk about your relationship with him and the round of golf that you guys got to play there at Yellowstone. <clears throat>
1: yeah, well, I, you know, I was disappointed in you, you. You forgot to bring up his probably his, you know, his favorite employee he's ever had. You know, I worked there for 17 <laughs> years for that guy. <laughs> you might have a different story than that. But, uh you know, of, of all the things, all the great things that have ever been, you know, written about Bob and the superlatives that have been said about him, they're all true. And it still doesn't live up to how great that man is. Um, in my opinion, he is absolutely the best PGA professional the game has ever seen, and maybe ever will. Um, I got so fortunate in my career, I was getting a little choked up about it, but you know, for seventeen years of my career, you know, he was uh he was my guy. And uh you know, he's just uh been like a older brother, you could even say kind of father figure, and I've never seen anybody that had the ability to bring up the absolute perfect words when the situation needs it. Now he, it, and it doesn't matter if you lost a tournament or something bad happened at work. He always has something to pull you up by. And I mean, he's just, he's the Chris Kyle of PJ professionals. He's a legend. He, uh, he came out and we played, we played Yellowstone club. He got invited, uh, by Mike Raleigh, who owns straight down to come and play in his, uh, member guest at Spanish Peaks. Now think about this Chris. He was at Oakmont for what? 37, 38 years, seminal for 20, three or four. I don't remember what it was, <clears throat> but he's hosted all those member guests. Now he got to play in one. And he said, Eric, I had so much fun. It was a blast. And, you know, but he got there and, you know, obviously it's a, when he shows up, everybody wants to come and say hi. And so our senior vice president of operations runs the whole place and was there and our director of golf. And I said, Bob, why don't you take the tea, you know, and typical for takes the ball throws it onto the tee, you know, first hole is a, that's three wood hole, you know, aim at the 150 middle stake right in the middle of the fairway. Some bunkers on the right and some environmental area that comes in on the left. He rolls the ball out on the tee, no tee, takes the three wood, just stripes it right down the middle. And Mike said, Oh my God, if that hits the, the 150 stake, it's a two shot penalty. I mean, it, it, it was on a rope. It was road <laughs> and road, right down the middle. And I'm like, no tea, no practice swing. I'm like, this guy, I
0: can't beat this guy.
1: And uh, we had a we had a really nice match. I had I had, uh, you know, we were my son and I played Bob and Mike. And uh, my son was a little bulky out in the beginning. And then I I don't know what happened. I buried three of the last four, and, uh, and we still lost. You know, one down. And you know, I just can't beat that guy. I I told him about how. You know, I've how many times in match play I've had him down in the tri state match play and then this other one we played in he goes, Well it's probably gonna happen again today, son. You know I'm like, Oh god, he, he, he he's, he's always he's always on top of me. Can never, I can never get past this guy. Yeah. But it was it was great to see him and you know, for you know, it was kind of uh, really kind of she was on a different foot. Like I got to host him for a change instead of him always hosting me somewhere. And uh it was great to see him. Yeah, he's it's just what a guy. And and you you know Tom Patrick and all the boys, everyone says the same thing, and everything I I yep. can't say enough. Like everything has been written about the guy, it still doesn't live up to how great he is. I, I've just I've never seen anyone that He could play, he could teach, he could merchandise. He you know he had the merchandising rights, the last PJ professional to do that in '94, and I want to say I don't know if he'd want me to say it, but I think we did about six million that week of the Open. Wow. And then I think USGA kind of finally said, "Now wait a minute, why are we giving all this money away?" <laughs> and so they kind of took over, kind of, kind of over the merchandising rights. But uh, uh, but yeah, he he could do it all. He play his business skills were amazing. I mean, think about it. You run Seminole and Oakmont, and uh I always kid him. I said, "Ah, oh, you just got good guys running. You just play golf." <laughs> And and there might be some truth to that. He might not want me to say that either, but I did
0: it. Eric, from a classy guy like Bob Ford to a couple of knuckleheads, I want to get your thoughts on the Brooks and Bryson rivalry that's uh, been going on this year. Is that good for golf? Uh
1: I have no idea. It's comical. I know it's a little comical and it's perplexing in the same way. I mean, to think that two grown men are gonna take to Twitter and try to roast each other every you know five minutes is kind of funny. But uh, you know, if I was Captain, Str- if I was Captain Stricker, I might give the boys a call and say, "Hey, boy, you know, cut it out." But um it is kind of comical, you know. I mean, quite frankly, I thought Bryson was so out of line when he said that comment about his driver sucking. And uh you know, when you <laughs> when you get paid that much money by your sponsors. Um, to say your driver sucks is kind of a hmm. Wow, that's a head scratcher. But, but I loved it when Brooks came back and said, "Man, I love mine." So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I it's just a it, it's it, it's a it's an oddity. It's perplexing. It's just you know. Listen, there might be some teachers that I don't think are the best, or you know, or do it right or wrong or what you know. What I mean, but but I'm not gonna take to Twitter and troll them all day. I mean, I. I just think they're big boys. They should put the big boy pants on and just kind of cut it out. I mean, you know what? You know what else I might do? If I was Steve Stricker, I'd pair them together. And people say, would you Pain? pair them together? Yeah. Put them. Yes, I would. I'd put them together and say, boys, go out, do battle, figure it out, and cut this shit out. That's what i tell them. <laughs> <laughs> now, whether it would work or not, it, it kind of didn't work with Tiger and Phil, though. You know, so I look back at it and I go, huh? But I think deep down, I think deep down, I, you know, I think Phil was a guy who, You know, had all those wins and, you know, then Tiger just kind of couldn't, couldn't get out of him. And, and poor Ernie Ellis, I think, you know, Tiger just about ruined that guy. Yeah, I mean, but I still think (laughs) Tiger and, Tiger and Phil were a a little bit closer than, than what we might have known. And then now you see it. Now they are. And, you know, stuff they do with the matches and the celebrity stuff. I, I think it's good. And, you know, hopefully we see uh, the goat back here pretty soon. I, I hope his leg heals up, but. Uh, I don't know what to think about this thing with Bryson and Brooks. Kind of comical, actually. Yeah, hard to say. <laughs>
0: you know, Eric, you mentioned Captain Stricker. As we look ahead to the Ryder Cup, I mean, you're going to have those two there. You you, you might throw uh, Patrick Reed in there, who may not be the the most popular guy out on tour. And and uh, we remember what D.J. and Brooks almost coming to blows on the on the plane ride over to France the last time. I mean. You got a lot of things going on in this team room. <laughs> How do you keep these guys focused on a team event, right? I mean, this is all—you only get singles on the last day, so you're sort of all in this thing together. How do you keep that team room from becoming a circus?
1: Well, it's kind of—it's kind of what it—it kind of has the brewing of it, right? I mean, you, you said it so eloquently. I mean, there's some there's some conflicting personalities in that team room there. And and I I love the pod system. I think you know. I mean, we heard all about it with Phil, and I don't know if he maybe should have called Watson out as bad as he did. But um, I like the pod thing. And I think when you get some similar people together, and they're playing as a team, that's great. You can make a little, you know, you can make a little rivalry in between the team. But you know, man, when the when the when the gun goes off there, I mean. They gotta put all that stuff behind them and play golf. I mean, we, the Ryder Cup is my favorite event. Uh, it really is. I just love to watch it and, and I always have. It's, it, um we had a, we had a similar Oakmont versus Loch Lomond cup matches and, and I'll tell you what, it was so much fun to play those matches and those guys got up for it. Our guys were trying to maybe drink that country out of scotch. But I'm telling you, I wanted to win as bad as anybody. And and they wanted to win. It's like it's a, it's a different element over there, uh, especially for the Europeans. They want to pay, play for their town, their clan, their family, their, 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 their country. I mean, they, they take it a little bit more seriously, I think, than maybe we have. Now, I think when we were just beating the pants off them for all those years, you know, it was pretty easy for us to do that. And then we started losing, now we start looking and going, now wait a minute, we want to win. <laughs> you know, we want to win again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope the United States can kind of, you know, put this to bed a little bit. And you know what? I, I'm not kidding. I, I'd pair them. I, I would. I mean, you know, I mean, I think I, I, I like the, I like the Americans chances this year. I mean, it, it, they just look super. Um, you got Colin who is a, just a, turning in to be just an all star. Um, you know, Patrick Cantley have uh, B J, which he's been a little, you know, hit or miss lately and kind of non exist non factor, but um, you know, but he's so good. I just I just I think it's gonna be hard to beat the Americans this year if if they can, you know, play as a team. And and you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I mean call me out just the worst, you know, captaining decision ever, but <laughs> Well, I can make it because I'm not the captain, so I can say it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Eric, you mentioned Colin Morikawa, and uh, I was talking to Tom Patchy last week about Morikawa and how his first two-plus you know, two years on tour closely matches Tiger's first two-plus years. Talk about what you see in Morikawa in his swing and the poise that he shows under pressure. Yeah, well, I mean, when you hear him
1: talk about He's so poised under pressure and when you hear him talk about, you know, exactly where he's trying to aim it. And I, I don't know if you caught that in the in the open and he's like in no, the open championship, I want to aim at that guy in a white shirt and I wanna cut it, you know, in seat and I want it to come in on this side. I mean, yeah, I mean, he is a man with the plan. And you know, I don't think he has the uh, the flair for the dramatic like Tiger did. You know, Tiger bombed it, he you know, hit the fingers, he did Everything better than everybody, you know. And talent just seems like he's just unfaith. down the middle, on the green, uh, hits that beautiful little cut shot, which you know a lot of people are, you know, been talking about that. And a lot of people argue, you know, I, mean, I was at Open last year. It's really hard to win an Open Championship, the U.S. Open, the hook is it, and there might be some truth to that. You know, I mean, old cut, you know, seems to find a lot of fairways. Now, the golf courses have gotten different. And, and you see what, you know, Bryson DeChambeau has done to some golf courses. I mean, uh, you know, when he won the U.S. Open, um, I mean, he just was bombing it everywhere. And you don't really normally see that, but he was hitting it so close that he could stand wedge it out. And, you know, even if he wasn't a rough, he could stand wedge it on the green and still have a chance for a two putt, you know, for a par. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was fascinating. So, I mean, um, you know, some of the opens that we've seen were kind of not quite what we normally used to see in, you know, I mean, and then when you get back to the Oakmonts and the Shinnecocks and the, and the, the really hard ones, I mean, then you really start seeing that game. But, you know, Bryson did it a couple of years ago, you know, so, uh, he really tore that golf course up. So, you know, but I, I just think Morikawa, I think he's got a great head on his shoulders. I think he's, uh, you know, a very likable guy. Um, and I just think he's going to be around for a long time. I just don't see, I don't really see a hiccup other than sometimes his putter looks bulky. Um, and you see him change, you know, grip styles and, and, you know, but, but, you know, you can't argue, like TP said, you can't argue his win percentage, right? I mean, it's very, it is very similar to what we saw with Tiger. So I don't know if he has that game that will, you know, over dominate golf courses like when, when Tiger won in 2000, won the open championship and the U.S. Open by a combined 27 shots. You won by, you know, 15 and 12. I mean, that's like winning the 100 yard race in five seconds. I mean, you, you probably won't see that ever again. I, I just can't imagine that someone would be that dominant for in those two majors, but, um, but I, I, I look forward to seeing more about Colin. I, I'm looking forward to watching that.
0: Eric, a guy on the opposite end from Morikawa is Ricky Fowler, and Ricky has been struggling with his game. We've seen flashes that he might be coming out of it. He had a great final round at the Open Championship, shot 65, and then the first round at the 3N, 3M Championship when he shot 64, but only one top-10 finish in this wraparound season that goes back to last September. How does a player like Ricky, or really any of us, when we're struggling for an extended period of time, how do we right this ship? When things just aren't happening for him.
1: <laughs> well, that's a super question, and uh, I I'll answer it this way, Chris. I think if he knew how to write that ship, he would have already done it. <laughs> I think he doesn't know, and I think that happens. You know, we we sometimes get in that those little funks, and you know, heck, we saw it with Jordan Spieth. I mean, he went to kind of the abyss where, you know, we didn't hear much from for three years, and I'm hoping that's not the same with Ricky. I mean, he's one of the most loved guys out there i mean and, and it's hard not to love that guy i mean you, you watch him give autographs and all the things he does for the kids and i mean i want to see him back you know and 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 i i think personally you know when you get into a little funk like that it's mostly mental at that level you know i played for three years and you know i had a couple good years and my last wasn't good you know, went to a different teacher and got some different things in there. And I just, I guess mentally wasn't there. And, and to me, when you get, when you get something like Ricky, who's been so good for so long and then he goes through a little funk like this and you kind of go, okay, when are you going to pop out of it? Um, well, we don't know. I mean, his swing hasn't really changed all that much. I mean, if you compare the videos, yeah, he's tried to get a little more upright, but he's always been kind of a round, flat player. And, You know, kind of drops it back underneath there and, uh, you know, the swing doesn't really look all that different, you know, so what's that tell us? I mean, something mentally is going on and, and, you know, we just, you know, a lot of times we don't know what's going on in their head, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong in his life, but maybe something's bugging him. Who knows? But, you know, sometimes you just kind of lose your fire a little bit and, you know, um, and, and, and you lose your mental, sharpness and at that level you got to be mentally tough you've got to feel like you can win and compete and if you don't then you shouldn't put the tee in the ground and you know but you got to play your way through a slump which is a awful thing to do and i've done it listen we i've had you know in college i had little putter yips and you know i didn't think i could make it from you know three feet and that's no fun and but you just have to mentally get yourself to a spot where you, you overcome it you just think, listen, I'm I'm bigger than this, and and I know that sounds silly, but it it really is just your mental focus. I you know, listen, you I could have missed ten cuts in a row, and if I'd won it someplace, and I knew I'd won there in the past, I'd think mentally, man, I'm going to win this week, you know, because I've won here in the past, and I know how to play this golf course. It makes no sense at all, but you, you can convince yourself of just about anything. I'm convinced of that, and if you think you can win. You're probably going to have a good chance. And I don't mean false hope either. I mean, like, you, you've been to a place that you know you play good at. I don't care if I miss five, six cuts in a row, comes in. I do. I was play good there. And, and there's no right or reason to it. It's just your mental process,
0: you know? So to that point, Eric, your, your mental process, your mental sharpness, we talk about the weight of expectations, um, with Hal Sutton earlier in the show and, and on the show yep. frequently. When you think about it, and that's uh, that's sort of where I feel like maybe Ricky is at. I mean, winning on the PGA Tour, first of all, for all of us to, with all the expectations, we're lumping on Ricky. Winning on the PGA Tour isn't easy. I mean, he's done it five times. Oh. He's got seventy-three top tens, and he's won nearly forty million dollars over the course of his career. And we're we're waiting for him to win a major. To your point, we you know everyone loves Ricky. He's such a good guy. You know, we're we're pulling for him, but as part of the the mental piece of the game, sort of the weight of everybody else's expectations now falling on his shoulders. Does that make it exponentially harder for him to get out of it?
1: Well, I think it does. And I, look at Tony Fino. I mean, he's another perfect example of this. He's like a he's like an ATM machine. You know, it just uh, he just keeps printing money, but he doesn't win. And, and you, you go, now what is that? Now What's we thought. We saw that Riviera, boy, he's you know, Max Thomas drove it next to that tree and had that unbelievable pitch and, you know, makes it up and out. And you go, Tony had to have been thinking, okay, the weight's off my shoulders again. But it's not. And and Ricky is. And if you ever see this guy, he is the nicest human around. Like, he'll stay and sign autographs and do everything for everybody. And, you know, and you can't say that about some of the other guys might say they've been more famous but you can never say they 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 might have had more wins but from a popularity standpoint everybody loves this kid and and i do too and i'm just really rooting for him to get back there but you know you almost see it with you know i hate that oh you're the best player to never win a major that's an awful statement you know when they used to say that to lee westwood you know he'd won you know 25 events you know like it's like I, why do the people in the media keep saying that to this poor guy? You know, I mean, it's hard enough to win, right? And, you know, let it all be a major, but, I mean, once, right? And, and how much money is that kid made? And, you know, so it is hard to win on the tour. And there are a lot of guys that make a real comfortable living and they don't win, but they stay out there for a long time. And so I'm hoping Ricky gets out of that because he's just such a great player. I mean, He's been a feisty, strong player, too, for all, you know, his whole career. He's been fun to watch. So I hope he, I, to- I hope he gets over this.
0: Eric, I got to get a couple of playing lessons before I let you go. And you mentioned Tom Weisskopf earlier, and he's got a pretty good yogiism about putting. He said, say all you want, but it's all about the greens and half of that is in your head. I know doubt creeps in our minds, particularly when we're standing over a two to five footer one of those knee knockers to save par. How can we stop the negative voices in our minds and make more of those tough putts?
1: Well, you know, my good friend, uh, Mike Malaska, asked Jack Nicklaus, um, hey, Jack, what percentage of putts did you make inside of 10 feet in majors? And he said, uh, I made them all. And he goes, no, you had to miss something. He goes, no, I made them all. And he goes, well, now, wait a minute, 86, you know, and... On number 12 at Augusta, you knocked it like six feet by and, you know, and, and then you, you know, you didn't make that one. And that's when Jack, like, kind of erupted on him a little bit, said, Hey, I made that putt. I hit it exactly where the face was at impact. Therefore I made it. Now the green didn't let it go in, but I made that putt. And you go, now wait, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all either. You know, I mean, you, you, your mind, your mind is such a hard thing to. To comprehend, and if you go inside my mind, there's a lot of really, really weird thoughts that go on up in there. But I don't want anyone to go up in there. I don't think Sigmund Flood could to figure this one out. But, you know, you, you got it. You got to, you got, got to stay positive. You, you, you know, I, I always say golfers better be like ducks and the, the thoughts in their brain better be like water off a duck's back just runs off, like that negative stuff. Like it's gone. It's over, you know, and, and I think what happens when you start thinking about, man, I have missed a lot of these and I have, and I, I am getting a yes, right? That, that's when you do get it. If you just say, yeah, you know, I hit something or hit a bug or, you know, funky green or just whatever, you know, and you blame it on something totally other than yourself. And, you know, the game's hard enough. We, we don't need to keep beating ourselves up as well. The golf course is trying to do it to us. Don't do it to yourself, you know. Stay in that proper mental mindset and, and, and kind of let, let the mistakes go. They, they happen. Let's figure out how to get the next one in the hole. I was playing a tournament. I never forget this. John Daly was behind me and I was hitting it sideways. We had people everywhere and, you know, I just pull hooked one on 13 at Cockwood and that Gregory Golf Charity Classic. And I'm up in the woods and I'm going, Oh my God, how am I going to get this ball out here? like <laughs> everywhere. I'm like, trees, and, and this, this old lady walks up to my cat and goes, is this John Bailey's group? And he says, no, no, get out of here. And I'm like, Jody, stop that. You know, gonna just hit a little call under here, and I, you know, like, he was mad, and he was nervous, and, and I, <laughs> I hit this little shot somehow out, and uh, I made I hit a sandwich on the part five, and I made birdie. I said, yeah, don't, don't yell old ladies like that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Eric, let's talk a little strategy, and one of the things that I've started to adopt is playing for the middle of the green all the time and always using the club that's going to get me there, even if the pin is in the front or maybe in the back. My thought process is I don't play enough and I'm not good enough to be pin hunting. Do weekend warriors like me need to adjust our expectations for what we're capable of and give ourselves a margin of error by playing for the middle of the green?
1: You have to you have to play for the the fat part. I mean, um his name slips to me. Uh, one of the guys that's done all the shot link stuff, he tracked every single shot that Tiger's ever hit in his career, and 80% of the time, Tiger was on the fat side of the green. And for the listeners out there that might not know what that means, is fat side of the green is the one with the most amount of room. Let's say the pin stuck way over on the right, Tiger was to the left of the flag. If stuck way over on the left, he was always on the right or eighty sure. percent of the time. So when you're when you when you compound a mistake like that, you go after a flight, you short side yourself, you leave yourself an impossible bunker shot or an impossible um you know pitch or chip, that's how a mistake keeps compounding. You know, I, I I got lucky enough to play in uh our our YC member guest, we call it the rodeo, and one of our members is His guest hurt his hip on the sixth hole. You know, I mean, flies all the way to Montana, hurts his hip on the second or sixth hole. Can't play. So I played as a marker and, and I, I played the next, you know, uh, well, 36 holes with him. And, uh, when we had a ball and I, it was kind of like a playing lesson the whole time and he won two of the three matches. I couldn't count. My ball couldn't count, but he won two of the three matches on his own. And, and I, I said to him on, you know, especially one hole, I said, listen, Rick, you're about 90 yards from the hole. Par's is going to win this hole. Like, you you hit a great drive. You're 90 yards to the hole. Just hit it over in the front left corner. Just Don't even worry about the play. It's over in the right. Don't don't worry about it. Hit it in the front right corner. Make a par. You win the hole. The other guy was right in the middle of the fairway. Pulled it left. Hit an awful chip. And two putted for five. Rick was on the green, 30 feet, rolling it over there. Two plus invisible. You know, and and he won the one match six and three by himself. Now that Ah. is an amazing thing. And 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 it wasn't like I was doing a lot of coaching other than just saying, Okay, now you don't need a birdie, you just need par. You you need to put it over here, put it over there, you know, and it was about course management. And and I realized that when I play in these programs and I was a lot of the that we'll say handicap players that you just, I'm puzzled by what they're doing or trying to accomplish. You know, I mean, I always say it's slow and steady wins the race, so, right? A marathon. Think about, think about the game as a marathon. Let's say you only hit 150 yards off the tee or let's say 200. You get hit at 200 yards. Okay. And you're playing the appropriate set of tees. Well, if you can hit the next one 150 yards, you're by every par four. If you're on a you know, the appropriate piece, you buy every par four in two strokes. And and then from there right. it's just a chip <laughs> and a punch. Now, the one thing that, that, that we will never be able to do like Bryce, this body is built for leisure, not to anymore. I'm not gonna be in the gym <laughs> eating protein shakes every you know, say of day. I'm the I'm gonna drink wine, I'm gonna have fun at night, and and he can list all the rates he wants. But I can never hit as far as him. but I could probably be as good a putter, tipper, and pitcher maybe even bunker player, because you don't need strength. It's not about speed, necessarily. Putting isn't. Like, I tell the, you know, beginner ladies clinics, we can be the best in the world at this, because it doesn't take speed. It takes control of the face. And, now, we can't say that with drivers. They're never going to hit 400, but they could be really good putters and chippers and pitchers, right? So, you know, to me, that's the side of the game that really needs to be taught and and and, and really learn and, and like you said, of course management you know we all wanna think we can hit a three with 250 over lake and but you know what we can't, so lay it up to the right yard to go on there and make your par. I mean, I promise you those pars are gonna add up to a good score eighteen pars even even par last time of look those win Oakhams,
0: Eric, we are both Steeler fans, so before I let you go, I gotta get your expectation for the upcoming season. Steelers got a chance, or is this uh, the start of what will end up being a rebuilding few years? <laughs> you need to ask
1: Pittsburgh Dad that one. <laughs> I, met, I, met him, I met him in the in, uh, in Clifford's box at a Steelers game. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Um, I'm hopeful. Uh, I think Ben's still got some gas left in the tank. I think with the addition of Naze Harris, I mean, I, I'm hopeful. Um, now that could be dashed real quick, <laughs> but I'm optimistic. <laughs> You're telling me there's a chance. And I, I, I think there might be. <laughs> uh, so I, at least I'm, I'm praying for the black and gold. I love them. and You know, that town, you know, that town. I mean, it's just what we root for, you know, and, and we've been so lucky with the penguins and, you know, these poor pirates. Oh, nothing just, uh, uh, don't uh, be started on that. He's <laughs> trading. Yeah, you know, I just, I, tell a team to somebody wants to win. You know what I mean? Right? Teams can win without a huge payroll. You can win if you, if you want to win. And, and I just, I think they've been phoning it in, but I, it's such a fun ballpark to go to. You can't help but go down there and have a great time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a beautiful park. It's just, ah, oh, I wish we had some. Some hired players, man, that just bugs me. But yeah. uh, we need old, we need guys like Bobby Friend again. Pitch, you know, I him. That's right. But, uh, That's you know, right. what a good guy! What a great man he was too. Super
0: guy, Eric. Before I, I let you go, how can our listeners stay up to date with you? I know it's always a struggle on your website and on social media. I'm hoping one day you're gonna you're gonna be out there responding <laughs> on social media. But uh, is there a way for us to uh, stay up to date with you? <laughs>
1: Oh, you kill me on this every time, and I prom—I think I promised you like fourteen times now that I was going to do more of this. I just, <laughs> right. you know, I—I I, I think I have Eric Johnson Golf, Golf dot com, and I'm on Instagram and whatever, uh, Facebook, and you know all that stuff. But I, you know, I, I'm just Chris. I—I I, I think I'm um, the Bryson and the Brooks Kepka thing. I, I'm just not like a—I don't think I need to. You know, win an internet like pissing match, but but I promise you, I, I promise you, I might just post something tonight just to just to you know show you up. But I promise. I'll wow. Oh, okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're awesome, my remember, friend. I can't I thank you my... enough for coming back and being a part of the show.
1: Now I got to remember passwords. Now, hey brother, I love you, man. Thanks for everything. You got to come and see this place. Wait till you see. Yellowstone Club. Number one mountain club in the world, buddy. You gotta come
0: see this one. Yeah, no kidding, my friend. I've been like I say, I'm telling my wife, you know, we're gonna chuck it all, we're gonna buy an R V and we're gonna head to Montana. <laughs> so that's that's Where that's are, the plan. I hope yeah. I can convince her I might need your help. <laughs>
1: you might need a little help on that one, bud, but you know, keep trying. <laughs> I'll see you, buddy. Thanks for everything.
0: Alright, Eric, take care, my friend. Stay safe. Bye bye. That's the great Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson Golf is the is the website and how you can find him on social media. But um, as you can tell, that guy is uh, just one of my favorite people on the planet. the The enthusiasm, the positivity, the energy, all of that sort of stuff is uh, is endearing about Eric, and he's just as genuine a person as you're going to find. And and uh, you know, part of the show, the the great part about Eric is he's you, know, you ask him a question, he's going to tell you an answer. And that uh, as an interviewer, that's all you can ask from a guest. And and, uh, and the fact that he comes on again tonight was the 15th time. How lucky am I to uh, have one of the top 100 instructors, uh, in, on the planet, uh, come back 15 times. And, uh, I'm very blessed. And Eric is a, is a great human being. And, uh, the next time can't get here fast enough, uh, for number 16. All right, folks. It is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again go out to Hal Sutton. Sean McKeel, Jason Hayes, and Eric Johnson for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, net to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, will be back. Allison Fillmore, who is the vice president and executive director of the tour championship, will be making her next on the tee debut, as will another one of the top instructors in the game, Nick Bradley, will join me. And then we'll round out the show with former tour player and one of the top broadcasters in the game. Charlie Reimer will be back. So folks, it's going to be a great show. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. You can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great sites and apps like Apple podcast, Google podcast, Amazon music, Spotify, Pandora has not joined the lineup. iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audioboom, player.fm and podcast.co. Folks, Thanks again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I really appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the Tee a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.